Welcome to episode 59 of Nerd vs. World, The Hateful Nerd. I'm Brendan. I'm Spindles. And on today's show, we have got reviews of The Hateful Eight and The Revenant, uh, talk about the Suicide Squad trailer, there's some PlayStation Now news, and then we just look forward to some films that's coming out this year. Stuff what's coming. Yeah. So let's start with uh, this episode's namesake then. <laughs> Go on then. I guess. So, yeah. so go on, you, now your job in this section now is to convince me to watch this film. Oh, I don't know if I can, that's the thing. <laughs> okay, so Cards on the Table, massive Tarantino fan. Yep. I've, I've loved his stuff. And I've been super excited for this movie for one reason and one reason only. And we talked about this in the San Diego Comic-Con episode. Yep. It was the Morricone score. Yep. So I was really excited to see what... A director who doesn't use original compositions in his work would do when he finally got his hands on an original score. Um, because he's this visionary director, and I want to see what he does with sort of traditional approaches to film music. Um, and I was disappointed, if I'm honest. Okay. I was disappointed in the score, and I was disappointed in the fact that the film's actually fairly quiet throughout. Um, some of the sound design seemed to be mixed rather too high for my liking. Yeah, okay. Uh, and the score was rather sparse. Um, but it's so just one your of the main thing for watching the film was disappointing. Yeah. Okay. I've got a feeling though this movie is going to be one of those films where in five years' time you'll come back and revisit it, and you'll appreciate the genius of the movie. Okay. But. After coming out of it, it's like, yeah, that was a good film. I enjoyed it. I can't see myself watching it again. Right, okay. It didn't feel like a Tarantino film for me. I mean, it had the violence, but the violence was massively overplayed. It was cartoonish in its extremity, with just heads exploding all over the place from... Gunshots from old Smith, uh, Smith and Wessons. So kind of kick-ass style violence. Yeah, it was really overhyped violence. Right. It just didn't have the dialogue. Okay. Like that's strange because that's what Tarantino's yeah. notable for. In terms of like massively quotable dialogue, I mean, there's sure there's going to be one bit, and it's all about Samuel L. Jackson's character and what he did to the son of one of his enemies. Um, which in itself is weird because it's the sort of thing that has got two people brutally killed in previous films. Like uh, Marcellus Wallace, for example, went to town on somebody mm. for this sort of thing. Um, but other than that, like there isn't much in terms of quotable lines that you can take away from it. Okay. I think it's just difficult with this movie because everybody is a cunt. I mean, there is not a redeemable character in the film. You can't come away from this going, oh, yeah, but no, you know, his character he was just a bit of an anti hero. No, no, no. His character was a dick. 
Well, I mean, it's in keeping with a lot of the ones that we've been talking about recently, like all, all the kind of big Oscar nominations from last year, which is Oscar nominations is something we need to talk about oh, yeah. today as well. Yeah. Um, uh, that you know, stuff like Whiplash and uh, Birdman had no real redeeming characters in them. Yeah, but this takes it to a whole other level. Right. These, okay. I mean, it's in the title, I guess. The clue is mm. the Hateful Eight, and they are utterly despicable characters. Right. Um, yeah. And there are times where it just feels a little bit tricky to watch them. Okay. Be that difficult. Uh, and I'm sat in there and I'm watching people in the audience laugh. And there's, there's, I laughed at a couple of the massively violent bits. But you just get the impression that if he was there, if Tarantino was watching, he'd be like, you're laughing and you don't know why you're laughing. And that's funny to me. Mm. It feels like when a lead guitarist steps forward. Like part through a song and breaks into his solo and has like a five minute fret wank. Mm. It just feels like Tarantino's gone. It's my eighth film. I'm gonna do whatever the fuck I want. Yeah. Do you think he's trying to be too clever? Um, I think he does everything for a reason. Mm. So if the score is deliberately sparse, with the sound designs mixed deliberately high, and the characters are the way they are, and the violence is the way it is, I think it's definitely for a reason. Um, but you don't leave the movie wanting to sort of read it as a cultural text. Do you think he's become kind of deliberately provocative in what he's doing now? Because I've kind of got that sense from him in interviews that he just actually doesn't give a fuck anymore. I don't think he does. I don't think he does give a shit. I think he's got to the stage where he can do what he wants now. Mm. Uh, I think he's, yeah, I think this is literally him making a Western. Like, if you look at his films, he's had a bit of a Western fetish. Oh, yeah, of late, definitely. Yeah. Well, you can go back to Pulp Fiction. Miserly, the opening uh, mm. score for that was used in uh, The Ruthless Four, an old an old Western film. Mm. And his choice of um, shots. There's a, there's a thing that says he has a foot fetish. Mm. He likes shooting feet a lot. But you could also look at it the other way and say, well, actually, he's just framing characters and revealing characters in a way that you would do in a western movie right so so i mean do, do you think it's something that he's likely to over the next couple of years come out and explain what he did i think he's come on record as saying that he wants to he, he can't consider himself a western director until he's made i think three western films um so i would expect at least one more as if we're classing django as a western yeah. um and we'll see if that explains it. Mm. I kind of want to know what was going on behind it all. Um, and why he made the choices he did. Because mm. the dialogue isn't snappy. It's slow. I mean, it's almost tediously slow in parts. Well, I, again, do you think that's something that's like paying homage to old westerns? Yeah, potentially. Yeah, it's a potential for that. I guess. But yeah. uh, I guess, uh, yeah. I think from the outset, this film was doomed for me because A, I don't like Tarantino. B, I can't stand Westerns. So Fair enough. <laughs> I was kind fair of <laughs> totally against this from the outset. Uh, that's probably fair. Yeah, it, it's got a bit of a pacing issue. Um, it doesn't need the intermission. I was going to ask about that because I, I'm wondering whether anything is lost in the fact that there was only that like one cinema in the entire UK that screened it as it was supposed to be screened. Well, the 70mm? Yeah. Yeah, possibly. The Mike Smith of shots um, and shot selection, for sure. Uh, yeah, 
it's split into six chapters. It's presented as six chapters, and it's mostly linear as well. Mm. Chapter five is a flashback, and then yeah, all hell breaks loose. Mm. But yeah, it's it's good. It wouldn't be in my top five Tarantino films. It's probably seventh out of eight. Okay, what comes below it out of interest? I did not like Kill Bill Volume 2. Okay, I didn't like Kill Bill Volume 1 either, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's fair. Just didn't like the second one. So yeah, it's 6th or 7th, like Jackie Brown might get bumped as well. Okay, but. interesting, okay, so but if you were to rate it out of 10? If I rate it out of 10, it's probably a solid 7. That, okay, that's still pretty high then. Yeah, but you know, I'm... I'm, I'm my expectations are massively on the, high. Erring on the side of yeah. it's 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 genius. I just might not be understanding it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is, <laughs> let's be honest, it's a fair shout. It might be. It's more than likely. Yeah. After wait, does he do director's commentaries? I've, I, I can't say I've ever watched one. Not that I've watched. Okay, because I, 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 I love director's commentaries, and I yeah. will watch tons and tons of that. I, I think I've still never quite made it through all of the Lord of the Rings extended ones. I've done at least two of them. So I think I've still got one more to do, which is the the real technical special effects guys. Right. So it's all the cinematographers and the uh, the special effects and the visual effects and the makeup people. So it's the the real technical stuff. And I've I've tried it. What tried? I've started it once and never quite gotten through it. Which even for me, I I'm quite a nerd on these kind yeah. of things. So I don't tend to watch them. There's been a few that I have watched and really enjoyed. Mm. Um, such as Fight Club. Mm. And Kevin Smith's commentary on Donnie Darko was awesome. Because mm. he guessed it on that. Uh, yeah. So the other film that I watched recently was The Revenant. Mm. And I say watched. Uh, it's more like a three-hour endurance test. Mm-hmm. But that is stunning. Okay. Uh, again, you're still going to have to convince me to watch it because it's essentially another Western, isn't it? It's a revenge film more than anything else, but with with Western elements, at least in the time frame, um, but nothing more than that. Okay, so what what's the potted deal of it? What what's it about? The potted deal is Leonardo DiCaprio is a guide for a bunch of British trappers um, who are collecting fur pelts. Okay, they get ambushed by uh, native Indians who steal their pelts to trade with the French, um, and as they're escaping and plotting their own course to try and get away from this ambush. DiCaprio leads them on a, a new trail, and during that trail he gets attacked by a bear in what is the most brutal piece of cinema I have ever sat through. It goes on for, like, ten minutes, but it feels like it goes on forever, and I was almost, like, at the edge of my seat just... Begging the bear to stop. Jesus. It's horrendous. It is... It's visceral. It's upsetting. It's deeply upsetting. Um, And then the impact and the aftermath of that is upsetting too. We'll get back to that. Um, The plot then follows from the man who's meant to look after him and wait with him until he dies. Leaving him and burying him undead uh, and then his sort of just revenge mission to track him down he's not dead he watches this guy kill his son 
and then gets left and then makes it his mission to get better, track this guy down and fuck him up. Okay. Which he does quietly. Well, it's so bizarre. He's nominated for the best actor Oscar. Mm. He barely says a word in this film. He has maybe three or four lines of extended dialogue, all in um, Tawny rather than English. Mm. And most of it is just grunts and groans and sort of like recuperation okay. for the rest of the movie. I guess that's another one that comes with the Oscars this year. In, uh, we'll talk about that in a bit because they're kind of Mad Max, Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy's fantastic in this movie. Tom Hardy has been fantastic in everything I've seen in him this year. Mm. You know? He was fantastic in Legend. He was fantastic in Mad Max. Have we forgiven him for Bane yet? <laughs> I never had a problem with Bane. <laughs> oh, I did. You know? <laughs> the problem with that movie was that they had to make last-minute changes to it because of Heath Ledger. Yeah. You know? Uh, that was the problem with that with Dark Knight um, Rises. Like, not Bane. I mean, he, he was probably not the best choice of villain to put in. And if you're going to give someone extended dialogue, don't give them a mask to wear that muffles them. Mm. But yeah, I didn't really have an issue with that. Sorry, anyway. But yeah, anyway. So yeah, that's basically the story. And it's set in the most beautifully and artistically well shot vistas and images. The sound design, being a sound engineer, that's kind of thing that stands out for me that I notice the most. Mm -hmm. There are scenes where rain is dropping off tree branches where snow's thawing and drops are hitting the snow below it and it's almost like every single drop has got its own bit of sound design right okay the attention to detail is absolutely incredible um the music for me is mixed perhaps a little too high uh, but it takes away from nothing it's immersive i was i felt cold watching it like you get two hours into this film and it's set in these sort of really desolate sort of snowy scenes and yeah I just started feeling cold I started shivering in the cinema um, and they should be nominated for a, a makeup Oscar and they should win it just hands down because the wound detail on DiCaprio after the bear attack is in, insane it's just so good uh, it almost made me sick wow <laughs> okay like, this bear fucks him up in the most incredible way. And it's such a... it's oh, Yeah, no, it's... I can't say too much without spoiling it. Yeah. I don't want to spoil the impact of that scene. It's one that you just have to watch. I'll tell you, I, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm tempted to watch that now. Yeah. So you, you've, you've kind of done your job there. No, it's, it's some, it's, be prepared for, for a test. Mm. You know, it's, it's not a movie you can just go in and hope to come out the other side like, relatively unscathed. Mm. You endure this movie. Well, again, you know? I, I think it sounds very similar in, to Snowpiercer, which I was talking about on the last show, which, see, I watched it again last week with David. He came around and I was like, well, I've had a film to watch. I was like, oh, yeah, Snowpiercer. He absolutely loved it. And it's, it, it's because it's, I didn't realise it's a Korean film, it's a Korean director, and it's, uh, yeah... It's very visceral in the same way. There's some very, very upsetting scenes, yeah. and the sound design is fantastic because a lot of it is, you know, you'll have periods of just utter silence while really, really unpleasant stuff is happening on the screen. And it's, uh, yeah, it's a fantastic movie. So, yeah, I think it sounds kind of similar, yeah. just not 
sci-fi dark future and set on a train. No. I think that's how I'd sum it up, though. Mm. I mean, it's it's bleak and it's visceral. Yeah. Okay. But it's stunningly good, and it should it should be watched. Okay. I will I will give it a go then. Cool. <laughs> just you know, don't come crying to me afterwards because <laughs> I don't want to relive that just yet. <laughs> okay. So well, I guess I guess after those reviews, I guess it's worth going on to the Oscar stuff. Yeah. Um, just because it's 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 interesting. I think more than anything else this year, a lot of the choices. I mean, certainly, if we start with the big one, which is the best picture, um, it's an interesting list. There's something there that I was kind of expecting, but then a couple that I really wasn't. Uh, do you want me to do the, read yeah, the full to the list? Yeah, I think Carol's been omitted, hasn't it? Uh, yeah, that's not on the list. It's uh, The Big Short, Bridge of Spies, Brooklyn, Mad Max Fury Road, The Martian, The Revenant, Room, and Spotlight are the best picture. Well, Spotlight's going to win that. You think so? Yeah. Well, I don't really know much about that one. What is that one? Well, Spotlight is... It's not yet been released. It's the true story of the group at a Boston newspaper who uncover the truth about uh, priests and child abuse. All right, okay. So it's Michael Keaton, it's Liv Schreiber. Mm. Um, I forget who else is in that. Those are the two Okay. But yeah, so that... It's probably going to win Best Picture. Uh, the Revenant could be in there, but I think I think the Revenant Award will go to um, Inarito for Best Director. For De- Best Director. Yeah. And, and, and DiCaprio for Best for Actor. For Best Actor, okay. And I think the Spotlight will get Best Film. Okay. But Just I, because of the nature of the movie. I guess I out of that list, I'm, I, I'm stunned at the inclusion of Mad Max and The Martian. I'm happy to see sci-fi and genre films in there. I mean, Absolutely, that's, that's but I'm just I'm stunned that they are. I just I really wasn't expecting to. I, I mean, The Martian possibly, but I really wasn't expecting to see Mad, Mad Max, Max in there. Yeah, yeah, Mad Max is is a surprise. I still anyway. haven't seen it yet. I've borrowed it off David. I have the Blu-ray at home, so I am going to watch it at some point this it's week. It's a good film. It's. I, I don't think it's. What What do you think it is about it that's that stuck it in a best picture category? I couldn't say. I don't think it's best picture worthy. I mean, it's a great film, um, and it's well put together. But I can't think of anything about that in particular that marks it as best picture worthy. No, I just, I just can't. Um, it's really weird. That's mm. that's that stumped me a little bit. Yeah, it's it's just a bit odd. So the. Uh Best actor, the options are Brian Cranston from Trumbo, Matt Damon in The Martian, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio in The Revenant, Michael Fassbender in Steve Jobs, and Eddie Redmayne in The Danish Girl. Do you think Eddie Redmayne will put up a challenge against DiCaprio in that one? If he does, he'll go back-to-back, won't he? Because he won last year. He did, yeah. Um, I think... If DiCaprio is going to win an Oscar, it's going to be this year because I don't think that lineup is particularly tough. Okay. Um, Fassbender was great as Steve Jobs in Steve Jobs, but I don't think necessarily it's a a best Oscar performance. Mm-hmm. Um, I said that he'd be in the shakedown around Oscar time, but I didn't think he'd get through past the initial stage. Brian Cranston won't win an Oscar. And I don't think it's anything to do with his performances. I think that's to do with 
the Oscar voters and him being a TV actor. Yeah. Um, I think the uh, the prejudices of the Oscar voters is something which is coming to the fore mm. quite quite a lot now. And Matt Damon in The Martian, well, you know my feelings on The Martian. Indeed. So, yeah, he was good, um, and he captured the spirit of the character, but the stuff DiCaprio was put through um, for The Revenant makes him my favourite. Okay. The fact that he gets you to feel for his character the way you do, without speaking and sort of traditionally emoting, mm. um, marks him as my favourite. And I think the fact that he didn't get anything for The Departed and he didn't win for Wolf of Wall Street means that he's fucking due one. Mm. He's just due. I mean, because he's been one of the best actors of the last 10 years or so. Yeah, yeah, I would agree And it's about you. time that he gets some credit. Um, and I think The Revenant is the exact sort of film that the Oscar voters, that the Academy like to acknowledge. Mm. So, yeah, I think you'll get the nod there. Okay, and then, yeah, supporting, you've got Christian Bale in The Big Short, Tom Hardy in The Revenant, Mark Ruffalo in Spotlight, Mark Rylance in Bridge of Spies, and Skull Slice Stallone. I want Stallone to win it so much. (laughs) Just, just, uh, you know, I'm going to see Creed tonight. There's a lot of talk about why Michael B. Jordan hasn't been given Best Actor nomination for, Mm -hmm. for Creed. I think that's possibly a mistake um, he should be up around there because every report has said that he's been sterling mm-hmm. in that movie um, and Sly won the Golden Globe mm-hmm. which is generally a good, a good indicator and he was fantastic in the first Rocky mm. I mean like his his career has been marred by some terrible terrible choices in the films he's done but he can act when it comes to yeah, it. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, I think he's good value for it. Uh, I suspect if he doesn't get it, Mark Ruffalo will for Spotlight. Hmm. Okay. Uh, then leading actress... Jeff Lawrence. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> uh, well, I won't run through them, but I'll... I'll... Yeah, it's, it's a one-horse race. Jennifer Lawrence for Joy. <laughs> I'll put out a, a link with all the, uh, the actual <laughs> nominations in, in the show notes so that you can see who else... Might be in contention for the award that Jennifer Lawrence is painfully going to win. <laughs> in, in Brenton's humble opinion. Yeah. She was the best thing about that movie. I'm sorry, Joy was not a great film. Um, it was the first one of the year for me. Um, and it was okay. There were moments where I laughed. But it just felt like David Russell isn't quite capturing... That Silver Line is playbook magic, mm. and he's trying really hard to, and he's not doing it. Okay. Um, yeah, and it just felt like De Niro phoned in his performance for that movie a little bit, but he's playing quite an unlikable character. Mm. I don't know whether it's, I just can't relate to him when he's being unlikable, but yeah. Okay. Next. Uh, well, I won't go through all of them. We'll just go through the uh, best animated feature. Uh, Inside Out. Your Inside Out is in there, <laughs> uh, along with a whole bunch of ones that I've not heard of or seen. Uh, Anomalisa, Boy in the World, Sean the Sheep movie, and When Marnie. Sean the Sheep movie? Yeah. Fuck that. <laughs> That's in for best animated feature. Fucking hell. How was Big Hero 6 not in there? Indeed. Oh, was Big Hero 6 not 
last not, not the year the, before. That was January last year. Was it? So it might have missed the nomination cutoff. Mm, possibly. Yeah, possibly. Um, I'm fa- I'm fairly sure Big Hero Six was in the nominations for some stuff last year. Nah, that's fine then. I'm fairly sure. If it was sure done it last was. year, then fair. Yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah, Inside Out. Inside Out should win it, and Inside Out should be in. It shouldn't just be in Best Animated Picture. That should be in Best Film. In Best Motion Picture. Do you think yeah. there'll ever come a time when that does happen? It's happened before. Has it? Yeah, Snow White. All right, okay. I mean, it hasn't happened for a fucking long yeah. time. <laughs> I was going to say, it has happened I, before. I, I, I was expecting you to say something in the last few years. Oh, God, no. All right, okay. No, but it definitely deserves to be. Mm. I mean, Inside Out was a stunning movie. Okay. Uh, then your cinematography, Carol, Hateful Eight. Mad Max, The Revenant, and Sicario. So, uh, that's probably going to be The Revenant. Uh, likewise, costume design, Carol, Cinderella, The Danish Girl, Mad Max, and The Revenant. I can't even call that one. Then one of the big ones is the directing, which is the big short, Mad Max, The Revenant, Room, and Spotlight. I reckon I'll get it in a Rito. think so? Yeah, I reckon I'll get that for The Revenant. Cool. Uh, and then, as per usual, we've got some other sci-fi and technical categories. So, in editing, Star Wars is in there, amongst others. Yeah, everything Star Wars is nominated for, it should fucking win. But I, I don't, I don't think it will. Uh, I, I would hope it wins achievement in music for the score. Yeah. I, I really hope it wins that. Um, and then, yeah, production design, animated short film, uh, sound editing, how Star Wars. Up against the Martian, not the Martian. Sorry, well, the Martian's in there, but the Revenant, which you were saying, the sound design yeah, was fantastic. Sound design so. was awesome for that. To be fair, uh, really, really good. Yeah, so yeah, that, yeah. Live action shorts, sound editing, sound mixing. Also, Star Wars in there. Visual effects, Star Wars again up against the Revenant and Ex Machina in there as well. Ooh, Ex Machina. That's the only one that Ex Machina is appearing. Oh no, it's, that's appearing in the original screenplay as well, Ex Machina. Up against Bridge of Spies, Inside Out, Spotlight, and Straight Out of Compton. And probably some of the uh, most bizarre ones is, is the, the music written for motion pictures, the original song, which has one from Fifty Shades of Grey. It's got that horrid spectre theme from Sam Smith. <laughs> yeah, that's like... You know, a, you know, every... It's like a joke category this year. Yeah, every fucking DVD copy of Fifty Shades of Grey that gets released post-Oscars is going to have the Oscar-nominated Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah. This tagline is just like, yeah, but you were nominated in a bullshit category, mate, that no one cared about. And it really oh, is a bullshit category, especially this year. With that, that, that's it's just been great. In yeah, the oh, past, yeah, previous years it's been awesome. I mean, and Annie, been Lennox, really good... Annie Lennox won it for Return of the King. Yeah. Uh, Eminem was nominated in a category for Eight well, that Mile. Was for Eight Mile, and that was again awesome. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't normally like stuff like that, but I loved Eight Mile. Yeah, that, that was, was a, a fantastic film. movie. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, again, I'll put a link to the whole of the uh, the, the Oscar nominations in the in the show notes. But kind of overall, it's caused some consternation, not least because of the the lack of a nomination for Michael Jordan. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, and uh, no made recognition for Straight Outta Compton Mm -hmm. because the original screenplay is great but the writers of that screenplay are white Mm. Um, 
and Jada Pinkett Smith is complaining that Will Smith didn't get nomination for concussion. Fair enough. I think uh, but she's called they they've called for a boycott of it, haven't they? Yeah, but they called for a boycott last year. Did they? Um, yeah. All right. There's a boycott last year as well. Um but Idris Elba didn't get a nomination mm. for the Netflix original is it Beast with Beast of No Home. So he didn't get a nomination. Um I don't know what the workings of the Academy mm. are, but I would imagine the majority of them are elderly privileged white males and their bias is like in the show mm. uh, I don't think a boycott helps no I don't, I don't think it does but yeah I don't really have I don't know I don't feel like I have the authority to speak on this no no issue. nor do I, I, just, I just, um, it's just I know it's caused some consternation um, and yeah I was just interested in, in whether you had any thoughts on it or not I think Change change for these sorts of things has to happen way before it gets to the stage where you're boycotting an award ceremony. Yeah, and and I think institutions like the Academy are so glacial in, in how it takes yeah. them to change. And I, I guess it was just kind of highlighting that because there were a couple of, you know, sci-fi and genre films now in the best picture category that aren't kind of the tail end of a trilogy and just put in there to give recognition to the fact that the trilogy's been quite good, yeah. I think is 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 an interesting change this year. Yeah. Um, I can see it for The Martian. I can't see it for Mad Max. Mm. Unless they're, like, trying to honour George Miller mm. somehow. I'm saying that it's a really good film. Um, maybe it's the... The feminism aspects of it, mm-hmm. which I don't necessarily think is right. Have I spoken to you about this before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, have I spoken about it on the show? I, I, I think we have spoken about yeah, it on the show before. Yeah, that's fine. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't think it's a feminist movie. Um, I think there's a lot of butthurt men's men's rights activists who think it is. Mm. I think the immediate defence against their attack was to say it was, but I don't think it is. Because mm. um, I don't think you can have a two and a half hour film where the narrative is essentially these four women are your prize, catch them, bring them back, mm. and have the four women be a prize for two groups of men and call it a feminist movie. Yeah. I just think you can't. Um, I don't dispute Furiosa as a strong female character. I just think that sometimes there's a dis- distinction and a definition between a strong female character and a strong feminist character. Yeah. Um, and I think that people are so so quick to comment. Um, there's a there's a need to be first. Yeah. Rather than a need to be right, right. or accurate. Yeah, or yeah, accurate. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, we, we've definitely spoken about yeah, that before. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, but maybe that's why it gets the nod. Yeah. Maybe. Um, and maybe because it does feel like Mad Max, and it, it is stunning in its aspect, the way that he shoots his scenes. Um, but I'm a sound guy, not a visual guy, mm. so I don't know how they're doing scene selection and stuff like that. Yeah. But yeah, it's an enjoyable movie. Cool. It's a better film than The Martian, that's for sure. And so yeah, I guess we'll we'll wait and see yeah. when the night happens and feedback after that. So that's the 20th of February. Yeah. Yep. 
Looking forward to it. I love the Oscars. I love Oscar night. You yeah. know, I, I always stay up and watch them because yeah. I love it. Or if I don't stay up and watch them, then I record it and watch it as soon as I get home the next day. Yeah, yeah. It's, I love it's just Oscars. something I've always done because I, I, I really enjoy it. Speaking of award ceremonies, Ricky Gervais did the Golden Globes this year. Mm. Again. I, well, yeah, well, he was invited back. Mm. Like, cause, I was surprised at Yeah. <laughs> he was actually quite funny. Really? Okay. I still miss Tina Fey and Amy Poehler, mm. and I wish they were doing it, because they're awesome. Um, hopefully they'll come back. Sweet. What's next? Cool. Um, okay, well, that was that. Um, <laughs> well, we can either talk, carry on talking about films and stuff that are coming up, and trailers of stuff that we've seen, or PlayStation Now. To well, two. let's... Let's talk Suicide Squad trailer because that's that's just been released today. Okay, cool. Yeah, well, I, I've just watched it, and yeah, I, I've said from the outset that I'm really looking forward to this film, and seeing this new trailer only cements that even more. I think it looks absolutely amazing, and I love how they've worked in the Bohemian Rhapsody into the trailer. I thought that was genius. I think it reminded me a little bit of um, DMX. X going to give it to you mm. in the Deadpool trailer. Yeah, in the terms of sync, yeah, the sync's very good. I noticed that because well, you're the Suicide Squad fan mm. of the two of us. So, do you think it, is it everything that you were looking for? Uh, I think it's it's looking really good. I, it, it's looking more and more like I was bang on with Joker being the yes. bad guy. Yeah, 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 for sure. I, th- I think that's pretty much a given now from the, yeah. from how that trailer looks, and also the fact that with, they released the character poster. Mm. Uh, yesterday mm. of the main characters of the Suicide Squad and yeah. he's not in there. Indeed. So yeah, I think and that makes sense. That's the best way that he can be in this movie and cross over with um with Batman, Batman versus Superman. Versus Superman, yeah. And Affleck's solo Batman film that he's gonna do. Yeah. Um is him be the bad guy of this, which makes sense. Well yeah. the the bad guy. The the badder guy. The badder guy. The, badder yeah, guy. the problem, shall yeah. we say, <laughs> that Suicide Squad is put together to to deal with. So we're starting to see more in terms of characterization as well. Um, Harley is getting more time in these yeah. trailers. Yeah, yeah. How, what do you think of Margot Robbie um, and her betrayal? From from what I've seen of the trailer, uh, I, I I'm still I'm not convinced about her as Harley Quinn. She seems a bit too straight still. Uh, I, I I always see Harley as being a bit more kind of lilty, lyrical, and just genuinely batshit yeah whereas she just seems to be being a bit odd yeah it's just like what do i say that what can i say to sound odd yeah rather than how do i actually be odd yeah yeah so that's that I, i'm worried that i'll be disappointed at the characterization of harley quinn um but that's... then we have deadshot and enchantress and everyone see i'm worried about enchantress hmm. because again you don't, I don't really like... see much of her at all in the trailer well, you have her saying, let's do something fun, and yeah. then you have flashback to her alter ego as well. Mm. I just don't like Cara Delevingne. Mm. I saw her in Paper Towns last year on my birthday. I was really looking forward to Paper Towns. She just had no on-screen charisma right. at all. So I'm a little bit concerned about that. Mm. So I think I, I have minor concerns... But I think, as a whole, I'm still really excited about it. And I think if it keeps that kind of level of humour and uh, in, in the in the whole film, then I think I'll be very, very happy with it. Do you think they'll push for an 18 with it? Or do you think it'll be a PG-13? I hope they push for an 18 with it. 
that would that would make me happy. You know, I think that now the precedent is there with Deadpool. Yeah, this is what I'm thinking. This is what I was thinking today. It was just like, given how Warner's like to emulate everything that happens in a Marvel film, <laughs> if a Marvel film has gone for an 18 and it's going to be a success, which Deadpool is going Deadpool to be? Deadpool is going to be. I mean, yeah. Uh, Again, I can't wait. Roll on. It's like four weeks' time and that's going to oh, be Oh, I'm awesome. so looking forward to it. <laughs> I'm so looking forward to it. Yeah, I... I'd be more encouraged if we got some rating information for Suicide Squad. Yeah. If it came out as an, as an R or an NC-17 in the States, that's like a 15 or an 18 over here, yeah. I'd be okay with that. I'd be okay with a 15. I, I, I don't think I'd be happy with a 12 as no. as Suicide Squad. It's too it's too brutal and, and unpleasant. And the fact that you have no real heroes yeah. to redeem it, you know. Um, but we'll see. We'll see how they, they classify it. We'll see how they cut it. Mm. I imagine they'll want bums on seats. I think they will, but I, I, I don't think that giving a 12 rating is going to do that. Because I don't think that, you know, it, it's, I don't think it's the kind of thing that appeals to kids, the, the, the idea of it. I think the idea of it appeals more to adults than it does kids. And a 12A rating will chase away the diehard fans of yeah. Suicide Squad because I think it'd be cut down. Because they'll think it's yeah. it, it's just been sanitised. All valid concerns, but how often have Warner Brothers given a shit? Well, yeah. You know? Oh, well. We'll see how it goes. I'm still not completely sold, not to the <laughs> level that you are, but I think it'll be better than Batman vs. Superman. Oh, yeah, I, I think it will as well. <laughs> you know, yeah. For sure. Um that was fun. Did you see the the, uh, the the lineup of the Justice League? And just pretty much everyone's going, all right, but where's Green Lantern? <laughs> yeah. That's about the only comment that people have had on the internet about that poster. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, that's great, but where's Green Lantern? They're just going to forget about him, I think. Because, uh, <laughs> of course, Legends of Tomorrow um, had a special the other night. And as part of that special, they released the Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad trailer, but they also released um, like a couple of minutes of footage mm-hmm. from Wonder Woman. Ah, yes, yeah, did yeah. Did you see this? Uh, I didn't see it. I saw a still of it today, but I didn't see the actual uh, the footage. So we're looking like we're getting a 1940s era Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the general synopsis they were giving is that this is going to be an introduction to the character, because people don't really know her. Mm. Uh, and basically, her turning around to the Amazonians and saying, why aren't we protecting people? And then her leaving to join the fight. Uh, 1940s, so it's going to be... It's a similar story to Captain America, Mm. I think. Yeah. Interesting to see how she's in the 1940s for her film, and then modern day for Dawn of Justice. But, you know, there'll be ways around that. Oh yeah, there always are. Yep. But speaking of that kind of ilk, then obviously we've got Agent Carter season started two started back starting. last night. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've, I've got I to watch that. Yet. Nor have I, but I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah it's a double bill. Oh, excellent. Good stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, so there's that. Then we've got Daredevil season two coming fairly soon as well. Yeah. Jessica Jones got renewed for a new season this year as well. Yeah, so we're looking so for another one of those. And Luke Cage at some point this year. And rumours that The Punisher is getting his own solo his own series. Spin-off. Yeah, yeah. Which is kind of good to hear, but kind of shitty to hear it now. Mm. Because now we know that he's 
probably going to survive Daredevil season two. Well, yeah, I, I would hope it's a he little, would. It's a little bit spoilerific. Yeah, but I, I, I don't think we know enough about Daredevil season two yet. I don't think the Punisher is the bad guy. I think there's going to be some friction between them over the course of the season. Yeah. But then I think ultimately they're going to have to join up against someone else. Uh, I think, yeah, it's going to be an, ideo- an ideological clash between yeah. the two as they try to clear up Hell's Kitchen. Yeah. And I think we'll see, oh, the Chinese lady from Daredevil. Uh, Gao. Gao, because she sets up Iron Fist. Yeah. So I think that's going to be um, what they're seeding. They're going to seed sort of uh, Luke Cage and Iron Fist with Daredevil season two, mm. and it will be Gao. Yeah, I, I think that sounds about right. Yeah. That'd be my guess. And if that's what happens, folks, you heard it here first. Well, indeed, yeah, yeah. We've been pretty spot on with a lot yeah. of stuff of late, so you know, I'm, I'm kind of cautiously optimistic. Yeah. Um, but other stuff, obviously, we've got X Files coming back next week. Yeah. Which I'm massively looking forward to. Person of interest will be starting up again soon. Mm-hmm. I have, I did do my rewatch over Christmas. Cool. I'm through to the start of season four again, so I'm almost back up to date. Nice. Uh, it was nice to see that. Oh, I've forgotten the character's name. Sure. No, the cup. Oh, uh, yeah. I know who you mean. Yeah. I've completely forgotten her name. Detective. Whatever her name was. Yeah. The actress won a Golden Globe this year. For right. her other show. For um, Empire. Ah, yes. Yeah, the one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. That's going to bug me. I'll, that'll come back to me. Yeah. And if not, then we'll, we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in terms of other films that I'm looking forward to, um, there's so many this year, so we're not going to do like an entire year's worth God, of no, because, movies. Yeah. We'll, we'll be here... Yeah. We've got to, got to keep it just for the next couple of months because yeah. there's so much cool stuff coming out. So I'm looking forward to seeing Spotlight, seeing what that does. Uh, it's not been out here yet. Things have been released in the States. I want to see what all the fuss is about. It does look like it'll be a great, well, I say a great film. It does look like it'll be a really well-crafted and put-together story. Mm. Uh, it's not an enjoyable film by any means, I wouldn't have thought. Um, I'm looking forward to a film called Silence. It's a Martin Scorsese film about uh, a Christian missionary to Japan during their feudal era and his forced conversion. And then the two priests who go out to find him. It's Liam Neeson in the starring role. And then uh, Adam Driver, Kylo Ren, is uh, one of the two priests that has to go out to find him and right. go through the same sort of thing. There's a new Linklater film coming out um, called Everybody Wants a Piece. It's set in the early 80s. And it looks, it's been hailed as uh, a spiritual sequel to Dazed and Confused. So it's him moving away from like the massive long term product of boyhood and back towards his succinct sort of small picture story. But again, it's linked later, it'll be another Rite of Passage movie. Right. Uh, but with the nostalgia feel for the 80s that Dazed and Confused had for the 70s. Um, Deadpool. This is going to be awesome. I don't think what else I'm looking forward to. Yeah, I think most of mine are unsurprising. It's kind of Deadpool, yeah. Captain America. Well, Civil War, obviously, but that's April, isn't it? Yeah. And then uh, I was at Dawn of Justice, but I'm not looking forward to that. <laughs> no, but I'll watch it. I will watch it, yeah. 
I'll totally watch it because if I'm going to call a film out on being rubbish, I've got to at least see it. Yeah. So I'll watch Dawn of Justice. It could completely surprise me. Um, I don't think it will. No. And I think the post-credit reveal is going to be Darkseed because I think that DC just can't help themselves at the moment but yeah. try and copy Marvel's formula. Um, and we'll see how that pans out for them. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I think uh, yeah, I, I think I'm more excited by the TV shows that are coming up at the moment than than I think I am the cinema. Oh, speaking of which, there's an interesting one that I saw uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, if you remember the Shannara series of books by Terry Brooks. Ah, yes, the Shannara Chronicles. Uh, yeah, I've seen the first four episodes of that. Is it good? I really enjoyed it, yeah. It, it is really good. I watched it twice because I watched it to make sure it was all right for Megan to watch and then watch it again with Megan. Ah, nice. Um, and yeah, it, it completely skips the whole of the Sword of Shannara and starts at the beginning of Elfstones of Shannara. Okay. So, uh, yeah, that that was an odd move, I thought. But, yeah, it's completely cut out the first book and just started from Elfstones. And, yeah, it's actually really quite good. It's, you know, it, it's glossy in MTV and they're all kind of young, good-looking Americans. <laughs> so that's the kind of MTV angle. What network is it on? Is it on? It's MTV. Is it? Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So it sounded a little bit too CW then for a second. No, it's it's, it's MTV, um, and I think over here Five Star have picked it up to show it. Five stars—that's still a thing. It, it's still a channel, <laughs> but yeah, they're the ones who've picked it up for for a UK release. But yeah, it, it's actually quite good. I, I like it. It's yeah, sword and sorcery and elves and. I'll have to check it out. I'll yeah, check it out. yeah, it, it's it's well worth a watch. It's kind, it, it's not. Game of Thrones, by any stretch of the imagination, <laughs> but uh, it, it's interesting sword and sorcery. I mean, that's coming back soon as well. Game of it Thrones. is, yeah, yeah, indeed. I think we need to have an entire episode on that, though. Yeah. Uh, quick correction, <laughs> the link later film is called Everybody Wants Some, Not Everybody Wants a Piece. Right. And the other film that slipped my mind was Hail Caesar. Right. The Coen Brothers. Yeah. New movie with George Clooney, sort of a mockumentary of the workings of old Hollywood. Hmm. It's got Scotty Johansson in it as well, so what can possibly go wrong? Cool. Yeah. Cool. There's a few others, I think, but we'll get to them closer to the time, I think. Oh, they're yeah, they're I April onwards. Yeah. Right. I think that's it in the next kind of couple of months of stuff that's coming up that, yeah. I'm, that I'm personally excited about. Yeah, that's all for me as well. Um, Sweet. So, just yeah. want to finish off on, on, a, on a bit about PlayStation now. Yeah, go for it. Um, so yeah, I guess you you, you hadn't I haven't come across it yet, yet which uh, it's something that I discovered on my PlayStation the other day and was just like, oh, what's that? And then I had a look at it. It's essentially Netflix, but for games, right. uh, and it's it's PlayStation Three and some PlayStation Two titles, unless unless they remastered a couple of them and re-released them on PlayStation Three, because a couple of the titles that are available through it is Shadow of the Colossus and Ico, which oh, are both cool. PS2 games, yeah. but they're available through PlayStation now, so I don't know whether they were remastered and re-released for PS3, or whether that's actually PlayStation 2 games. But essentially what it is, is it's streaming gaming. So in the same way that with my remote play, I stream content from the PlayStation to my tablet yeah. and I use my my DualShock controller to control it over wireless or over the the network it's essentially that for PlayStation 3 games that are held in the cloud somewhere and you connect to it it spins up an instance for you loads the game you log in and play it as if you were on a PS3 um 
and there's, there's a whole catalogue of games available for it. There's a whole bunch of 2K game stuff. So there's Borderlands, Borderlands 2, uh, Bioshock, Bioshock 2, Bioshock Infinite. Okay. All of those are on there. <clears throat> there's a whole bunch of fighting games, platform games. Uh, ones I've started playing on there is Uncharted Drake's Fortune. Okay, I've got the remastered set <clears throat> with the PS4. I, I, I don't yet, yeah. but it's, it's on there. Uh, Walking Dead's on there. Cool. Uh, there's a whole bunch of, there's something like 200 games on there now and essentially you pay like that you you can have a, a seven day trial for free then it's 12.99 a month after that okay that's quite expensive it is quite expensive but it's games and the games are okay that would be the stumbling point for maybe the price for 200 plus games 12.99 but That's I think it, I think it's just it's, it's it's two hundred games at the moment, and I think they will constantly be adding more to it. So I think every month the catalogue will just get bigger. Back when uh, Novus' World was a a YouTube show, back in those horrible horrible days of me sucking in my stomach for five hours <laughs> time while, while being filmed, um, we did report from E three of that year where Sony had just bought Gaikai, the cloud service. And it was this that I think they were building towards. Mm-hmm. It's essentially their their answer to the the backwards compatibility issue of the console. Yep, absolutely. Um, and since I didn't own a PS3, it's it's fantastic for me because I get to play all the games I never got to yeah. play on a PS3. And there are certain games that I'm just dying for them to release on there, like Heavy Rain. That's one that I was dying to play on a PS3, and I never have because it's the same people who did Fahrenheit. Uh, yeah. which was a cracking game. For me, they'd have to go back and remaster some PS1 games. If they could remaster um, any of the Max Payne games oh, or God, yeah. the first couple of Tony Hawk's games, mm. then fine. And properly do it because um, Tony Hawk's HD wasn't quite, wasn't quite good enough. But what if they literally created... Uh, an emulator that you then stream and control so if it is that original game but made available through streaming I'd be up for that yeah I'd be up for that I I totally would because there's a whole bunch of PS1 games that I'd love to play again I I think think for me at the moment 12.99 a month for limited content isn't viable hmm um, I think for me, just because there's so many games on there I haven't played, it, it works for me. Right. Yeah. No, I think I, I would definitely need to have m- more um, options. Hmm. It's going back to what Alan Stride was saying uh, on yeah, our show yeah. about the psychology of purchase changing. Yeah. You know, I would definitely need to have more to justify £13 a month. Hmm. Um, but yeah, interesting. But it's something you can keep an eye on because unlike Netflix and stuff like that, you can just go on to the PlayStation now and see the catalogue of games on your PlayStation. Uh, So on the PS4, you could just go on there and you could look at them without having to sign up for anything. Sweet. That's cool. So you can keep an eye on that. And then at the point when you think there is enough to satisfy your £13 a month, then you can have a go at it from there. But I think it's a fantastic service. It's still buggy at the moment in terms of the connectivity i mean i've got shit hot internet at home and it keeps dropping out for me oh i'd have no fucking chance then winter at home is awful yeah i mean i've got 80 meg down 20 meg up uh, with <laughs> fuck you show off <laughs> with, with wired gigabit ethernet in the house and it's still not enough <laughs> okay yeah i wouldn't have a chance <laughs> so 
early adopters, if you're planning on doing it, make sure you have got shit hot internet. Yeah. And even if you do have shit hot internet, it's still dropping out every hour or so. I think of gameplay, it was still dropping out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I definitely wouldn't pay 13 quid for that then. Oh, well. But it's interesting. Go. It's very cool, though. It's nice to finally see things that we were talking about two, three years ago finally yeah. come uh, to be. And, you know, I, I, I think if they, if they crack it and it gets to the point where people's home broadband and stuff can deal with it and they get the service so it's got the right quality of service that people can play it all the time and not get the constant dropouts. I think it could be the future of gaming to have thin client machines and all the the, the machines being virtualised in the cloud somewhere. Yeah, and then we sort of come into an entire different set of problems. Uh, If you look at the current spend on AAA games for developers if they're not going to be able to recoup the money from sales directly which they won't be able to because if that 12.99 subscription is being split across all the games developers and providers you're going to have the same um, royalty and payment problems that Spotify are encountering Mm. but I don't think stuff's going to go on there anytime soon because at the moment it's just PS3 I oh, doubt well, it will ever be current generation stuff that's yeah, on there. Yeah, yeah, but you were talking about thin line consoles and just streaming from the cloud mm. as being the future of gaming. So, yeah, I'm not talking now or five years, but the future of gaming, the the royalty issue is going to be the, the, the problem they're going to have to sort of get around as well as everything else. But you, but you would still sell games in the same way, but rather than... It, say you make your digital purchase on your PlayStation now, you spend your, your 49.99 on your game, that's added to your library, you download it, you install it on your PlayStation, you play it. You would do exactly the same thing, but that would give you your own instance in the cloud that you have access to, yeah. which is no different to downloading it and playing it on your console. But you might not have that option. If you look at the way the music industry has gone as an example of where the games industry is going to follow... Um, and we look at downloads versus streams, mm. the balance over time has been shifting steadily away from downloads. Mm. So an album that an artist has produced, available for download on, on, on iTunes, that's also available to stream on Spotify, mm-hmm. they don't get the same sort of return on their investment, the same sort of revenue return from the streaming. Now, if we see the games industry going through the slimline console in 10 years' time, where you have the option to download it from... Uh, Sony or wherever or whatever digital marketplace is selling games as downloads in the future or you have the option to stream it as part of a monthly membership for yeah, the position now. I, I don't think it's going to happen like that and that's what I'm saying the difference is I think your AAA titles will take so long to get from being an individual game to being part of that library that you will still pay for that game and even if you're streaming it or downloading it, it's exactly the same. So you will still have to pay your premium to play that game. And that will be a connection there. And then, you know, a couple of years down the line, it will move into the library. But for that first couple of years, you will not have access to it on the So you're saying it'll be exclusive. The library platform, you're yeah. You're exclusive, exclusive off stream. Then. Yeah, exactly. If they, well, if they, can, if they can maintain that, fine. I yeah. think that's a workable way around it. I, but I think there'll be people involved on the business side of this, not the gaming side of this, that will try and sell these sort of services based on being able to get AAA titles straight away mm. onto their stream. Yeah, And that's the problem I'm talking about. I mean, mm. if that comes to pass, then the royalty issue is something they need to discuss further. Yeah, Because you, you can't 
you can't expect people to to pay and download if they can just stream for a fraction of the price and have other options. Uh, and the way that these streaming services will eventually and in- inevitably roll out is they will try to get these exclusive deals. Mm. So it it's kind of. I think that's a very different use case to what PlayStation now is, and 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 in terms of kind of the the way it could go in the future. Uh, I think if they keep it as it is now, which is it's a back catalogue of older games. Yeah, but all we're seeing now is we're seeing PlayStation now as being the lead, so mm. they are what Spotify were in the music industry. Yeah, and then you had Pandora and Groove Shark and mm. Apple Music and everything spring up, and of course a lot of the games that will be on this PlayStation Now service won't be Sony titles. Mm. There'll be titles from other developers. Yeah, they are. you've got all the 2K ones yeah. on there. And so that's where where my point comes in, mm. is that if Sony can't control the exclusivity of them, and these guys can stream somewhere else, other serv- other streaming services will, will want them. Will pop up. And, you yeah. know. So if PlayStation Now works, we'll see within two to three years other people copying it, mm. and then within 10 years we'll be at the problem where straight sales of a game, physical or digital format, versus a streaming conglomerate yeah. of multiple games will be the problem. Yeah, I see. That's yeah. where the royalty issue is then going to be something they have to work around. Yeah. And that's when we'll see impact on the gaming industry. Yeah. Because if they're not recouping their prices, they won't be able to invest as much in AAA titles. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I am by no means thinking short term or immediate. Yeah, I'm thinking, <laughs> I am thinking long term. But I think uh, music and film industry has already taught us that this is the way that model goes. Mm. So yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> we got deep there. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> I'm sorry, I couldn't help it. That's what she said. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I said. Um, cool. I think we should finish on a high. <laughs> should finish on that. That got borderline academic. Absolutely. Um, sweet. Cool. Okay. So I guess yeah. All well, all that remains is for me to again plug stuff that's coming up on the YouTube channel. There's a whole bunch of stuff on there. Uh, I finally caught up on the Nerd vs. Worlds. They're all up on there now. Awesome. Um, we had a new wonky gamer cast go out today. Uh, I've got a whole bunch of let's plays of Walking Dead all scheduled and good to go. Uh, there's uh, Game of Thrones paddle from a convention that's due to go out next Friday so we, we've got stuff on, on the channel that's all scheduled and ready to go so please check it out and, and watch some stuff Awesome, right then Well, thank you all for listening I've been Brendan I've been Spindles And until next time, take care and be excellent to each other <laughs>